competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the Magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Mage Mike Show, <laughs> episode 464, Kentucky Derby recap, Mr. Samich. I mean, it's got to be Mage Huzzah! Huzzah. Double huzzah to you. Uh, if anybody wasn't paying attention or wasn't aware, Mike Samich had the winner of the Kentucky Derby called for at least a week. That was the, uh, as far back as my memory goes, this is a week before. But you have loved Mage for this race. You cashed in nicely. What a stretch run. So, uh, first of all, golf clap to you, sir. You did a great job with the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, the Mage call was obviously the, the one I'm very happy about, happy that he ran well and was able to get the job done. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about more kind of how, how I ended up there and how it, we ended up on Mage. Uh, it was almost just an absolute stone-cold killer of a derby. I, I had the, the super if the 14 beats the 3 or if the ten, 1 beats the 11, and so it would have been great to be able to get to the super as well. Got really close there. Had a nice double uh, into Mage as well, which definitely made the day even more exciting for me. But uh, it, it was just a, it was a phenomenal derby. It was a great derby. I don't think it was the best group of horses ever, and we'll obviously dive into specifically this group. And I, I, I think that Mage probably got a little fortunate um, that, you know, Tapatrice did exactly what we thought Tapatrice would, but also Dermasotagate, <laughs> Missed the break. He ran very well. Mage got the jump on Angel of Empire. That definitely helped him out. Uh, we'll talk about the whole field. But yeah, it was a phenomenal race, phenomenal day. And it pays to watch replays, people. I mean, that was Monday morning of the draw show. We talked about it. I watched every single replay of every single horse. And after watching all the replays, that is what started to gravitate me more and more toward Mage and, and realize that that Florida Derby effort may be good enough to win it as long as he just breaks okay. And, and we'll watch the replay. <laughs> He broke okay. He didn't He didn't break two lengths behind the field. He didn't end up four wide. He was able to use some tactical speed to save ground in the first turn and then just made a powerful sweeping move on the backstretch in the far turn that was able to just overtake a, what was a, a surprisingly fast pace in the Derby this year. Oh boy, yeah, we'll get into that a lot. Uh, we'll talk, go through the horses. Uh, you know, we'll watch the. But first, we'll let Mike talk a little bit more about light, why he liked Mage for this so much and. One thing that you said, I think you even said it on, I don't know if it was the draw show or some point last week, uh, and you said it before we went live too, that uh, like my biggest concern with Mage was that I didn't think that he'd broken cleanly in any of his three starts, really. And I know that was a lot of people's concerns. And you said, okay, well, if he breaks, okay, he's five to one instead of 15 to one. So that was a big reason uh, you were looking at that horse as a, as a big play. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We'll watch the replay here. We'll talk about some trips for the top couple of horses as we watch it. And then we'll go through and just talk about the rest of the field and take a look at the Preakness because there's, a, you know, the, the whole Forte thing is just, it's not going away anytime soon. So we'll get into that. First of all, let's go back to our buddy, the Bugler. Riders up! realizing i need to update that the uh, i think that's from medina spirits here still so actually no if you can't tell the crowd's there maybe you just can't tell that's totally fine uh mike first of all i want to throw it over to you like i said uh hats off to you again you had mage as your top pick here uh we'll go ahead and put up the chart for the kentucky derby 
Uh, Mage gets the job done at 15 to 1. Two fills just a tick under at 10 to 1. Boy, I thought he was a winner uh, until about this, uh, about a little inside the eighth pole. It was pretty exciting there. But tell me about Mage. What was it about this horse that you liked? Because he had to uh, overcome all those bad breaks. He also had to overcome the curse of Apollo. I think that's kind of being forgotten. He's just the second horse since, uh, what, 1800s to ever win the Kentucky Derby without a start at two. Yeah, to me, it really. Again, it was this was a replay pick. If you go back and you watch all the replays from these horses, all of a sudden, I mean, Tappet Trice, I talked about it everywhere that I was on. I thought it was going to be last under the wire the first time around. And he was last under the wire the first time around. And that's what really kept me away from picking Tappet Trice or putting him in the super. And Mage broke okay. He broke well enough in his first start. He went 22-1, and 44-2. But if you go back and you watch those two two-turn races... That race two two races ago, he mi misses the break, rushes up, four wide first turn, but he gets cut off in the stretch too. And I love the fact that after he got cut off, he re-rallied. And then you've got the Florida Derby where he is four wide, five wide, after missing the break, makes this wide sweeping move, shows that, hey, look, even if I miss the break, I have the ability to be able to come from the back of the pack and make a huge move. Forte beats him on that day. Forte got the clearly better trip than Mage in the Florida Derby. So you felt like there was still upside for Mage. And then you watch all of these other horses and you go down the list. And it's, it's the reason why I started moving toward Derma Sotagate because he was the unknown horse in this field. And, and it just didn't feel like there was that, that much talent overall in the field. And, and when you kind of break it down and go through it piece by piece, all of a sudden Mage looked better and better and better. And the fact that you knew he could not break and still fire a massive race made a big difference and then the price i mean we always talk about value and price and, and you have to try and find the right numbers at the right times if forte was in this race he goes off at three to one and mage probably is what 18 to one 20 to one you're getting 6x the price on a horse that was a length behind him after just missing to him with a worse trip in the florida derby I, when you kind of combine all of that and the fact that look i thought forte was the best horse in this race on wednesday of last week before he we left the race well, if I think he's the best horse and Mage is a length back with a worse trip, Mage seems like a pretty good play in that sense, right? I mean, because you're hoping for it. And we talked about it, too, on the show. Look, the Mage Forte exacta, I thought, was a very good exacta before Forte was out as well. There was no reason why they couldn't just run one, two. I mean, everyone else is stretching like and trying to find out, okay, what what race was the best, right? And we had the California race, which obviously didn't fare well. Uh, a couple of scratches from it. But then we saw what Mandarin Hero was able to do last time. You look at two Phils who's coming out of Turf, Turfway Park. He's the one who ends up in second here. And we saw him run behind horses in in Louisiana. And, and we're, so to me, this just wasn't that great of a derby field. And when it's not, you got to try and take a shot. I've taken a shot. I think this is the, what was, I, I mean, I don't know. The last three years, I picked horses over 10 to 1 in this race. Now we're two for three in the last three years. And this was one of those horses where, like, the price just lined up, especially when you looked at the rest of the group. And yeah. I, we talked about the Curse of Apollo on this live show last Saturday. We talked a little, a little bit during the week. I don't really care about it anymore because of how horses are being trained now and when they are debuting and how little they race. To me, it's just like I, I'm not worried about it. I'm I'm more concerned about how they're doing, how they're progressing, how they're coming into the race. And Mage was coming into the race great. He ran his best race right before it with a terrible break and only missed by your favorite by a length. I mean, to me, it's wild that we got 15 to one on him here, especially after Forte scratched out. But the, you know, the, the rich strike factor came into fruition, right? We talked about this, how Jace's rode 33 to one, Ray's Kane 33 to one. The longest shot on the board 
ends up finishing last and was 33.47 to one, right? Like <laughs> you look at that or you look at that and you're just like past derbies. Even last year, you had 86 to one on the board. But because of that, and the favorites still get bet. I think that's the other key thing you have to look at. I mean, Angel of Empire, 4-1. to Tapa Trice, 4.5-1, to 92, essentially. Forte probably would have been 3-1, to 5-2. to They still took money. The people that get ignored are the horses that are between 10 and 20-1. to Because that's not the favorite, which a lot of people like to bet. And it's not the long shots, which a lot of people like to bet. It's that middle group. And that's where you're getting the best value in races like this now. I kept trying to tell people uh, when they would ask me, especially once Forte scratched, they're like, well, who do you like? Who do you like? Who should I bet? I'm like, I this, I am so not confident in picking Angel of Empire to win this race. As like, it really feels like you're someone, someone in the middle, not a super long shot, but someone in that middle, exactly like you're talking about. Um, real quick, I want to talk about the time as well. Uh, this race was almost as fast as last year's Kentucky Derby. Not as fast early. They went 22 and 1, 45 and 3 uh, in this year's Kentucky Derby. Last year it was 21 and 4. I'm rounding up 45 and, and 2. I'm rounding up. But they went 110.34 last year. They went 110.11 here. For the mile, they went 136.96. This year, 136.06. So this race was still ridiculously fast. And it ends up being 1.04 seconds faster than the rich strike race. So, um, you know, it wasn't a complete and total pace collapse because you did see two fills hang on there. But, man, this is just we'll get into more of these trips here. But let's go back to the uh, let's go to the replay now. I'll pull it up. And Mage, I already forget what he's going to break out of post eight, right? He's the number eight horse. And yes, yeah. no one inside of him scratch. The nine was the first okay. scratch. Yeah. And one, one uh, of the things when you're looking at Mage's break, because we made so much of it. The seven comes in out, the eleven comes in a little bit, but both of them had some speed. And so Mage broke cleanly and mm -hmm. never was really had a stumble, never had any issues, just broke cleanly and was able to move toward the inside. And it's ironic. Mage ends up being the horse that is the last of the flow to cut off Tapatrice to force Tapatrice to last if you, when you watch the replay. Um, but the break was fine. It just they went so fast up front that it turned out to be a good spot to be in where he was. Yeah, you had to reincarnate the seven horse and then 11 disarm kind of come out and pinch him back a little bit. Uh, on the live show, I because I know everybody else, I agreed with you. I thought Tapatrice would be, I didn't say the actual rear. I thought he had a good chance to be towards the rear. Uh, the other dudes didn't. And right about here, I thought, oh, Tapatrice is going to be last. I called it on the live show. Uh, but Mage really is just, there's three horses between Tapatrice and Mage. Uh, so at this point, what are you thinking as far as your pick? Uh, I was bummed when I went under it, and then I was okay with it when they put up the first quarter. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I thought that we were going to see a, a 23 and change first quarter, a 46 and change half. And if that was the case, I'd want to be in 10th. But when they put up 22 and, and one there, I'm like, okay, <laughs> like that's fine. I, I know Mage can close. We saw him do it in the Florida Derby. It's one of the reasons why I was a little more confident in, in Mage versus some other horses, because we know we can win up front. We can know he can come from behind. And so once they put up that 22 and then the 45 afterward, I'm like, all right, now he's just got to fire the Florida Derby effort. Because if he runs like he did in the Florida Derby, he's going to be good enough to have a shot in this race. And he ended up having to run better because two fills ran a monster here. Um, ends up, you can see him there sitting in fourth, attending to the pace and ends up running a, a phenomenal race to get second here from two fills. But I mean, once, once you started to see uh mage rolling on the outside around that far turn it it it, it was good and at this point you're like okay we got a everyone in the race that is i would say sixth on right now has a legitimate shot that first group of five is in a tough spot right because they're yeah. also have about a length and a half two lengths in front of everybody else 
it's going to be hard for them to hold on. But now it's going to be, hey, who? where's the winning trip come from? Is it going to be the five wide sweeping move? Or is someone in Rich Strike this or Calvin Bow rail this and go up the inside <laughs> and save all the ground and get the job done that way? Yeah, I paused it here. And for the podcast listeners, I'm really sorry. I'll try to describe it. So we're on the back stretch where they're about to hit the three-quarter time uh, into the race. There is a, like Mike said, there's a very lengthy gap where you've got verifying and Kings Barnes going balls to the wall. Verifying, we expected that. Uh, Kings Barnes, from what sounds like Spendthrift, was not expecting that. It was not, not the instructions. Happy. They were not happy about it. No. Um, Reincarnate is sitting right there, and, and you know that he's going to gas out pretty quickly because we saw him do that in the Arkansas Derby. Confidence game was on the muscle. He's about to gas out. And two fills is right there. And then a big gap to hit show, which is a horse that you had liked to hit the board as well. At this point, Mage is moving, and Tapatrice is trying to move with him, but he's not able to keep up. Uh, all right, I'll hit play again on this one. Um, and thanks to Churchill with the way they have things set up, we're about to lose them into the turn anyways. But uh, yeah, 110 flat. It's like, what, what race do you guys think you're in? My God, it's just ridiculous. Like, with it, Okay, Kingsborn's got the lead, and here comes Jareth Loveberry on two fills, and he just scoots right by. And uh, they're going to hit the quarter. I'll pause it when we get to the quarter pole because I thought when they hit the quarter pole, I thought all those nice futures and, and exact bets and everything I had into two fills right here, I thought I was going to cash this. I got super excited about Jareth Loveberry and two fills. Well, and then you see that blue on the outside, and there's Mage. Can you go back like 10 seconds, 15 seconds? So if Mage is in the blue, watch every other jockey and watch Castellano. Everyone else is just scrubbing. You have some jockeys starting to whip. Hit shows jockey starting to whip. Watch yep. Castellano hand ride to the outside. This is when I got the most exciting. Excited he is for me. A, if you're watching, if you're still watching the video, you see the big gray pole in the background, the little blue just to the right of it, the teal. That's Mage and Castellano, uh, and he is. I mean, his hands are relaxed. He's he's he like he's he's encouraging the horse, but he is he's definitely not pushing. And now here he is. Look, look at him at just him sweeping, sweeping at the up. bottom. Everyone else is asking, and he's just sweeping up, and he still hasn't asked him right here. You can nope. see his hands are chilly. And then he starts pumping. And when he does, uh, Mage responds. And and I was pretty sure he was getting my two fills right here. <laughs> I mean, he still has it right. He's shown him the whip. Yep. I mean, that's I mean we're at the eighth pole. Is. We're inside the eighth pole when he hits him for the first time. That's why this is such a huge effort. He only hit him once. He hit him yep. once in the derby to win. I mean, it's Man. Just when you see how loaded that horse actually was around the far turn and, and no one, everyone else is asking and, and Castellano is just chilly and he's just making his move. I, it's, it's just really, really phenomenal. Oh man. It's one of those things you look back and you just, uh, you want to scream at so many different jockeys about what are you doing? <laughs> what was happening out there? Um, I, was, I was shocked. They went this fast this year after last year, after we saw that collapse last year and coming into this year, I realize, again, it's 18-horse field. You're going to have some fabricated pace, right? Because it's going to happen because you want horses to be forwardly placed. But that second quarter, to go 45 and 0.73 to the half just seems wild to me. Like, you have to have some type of internal clock and say, hey, guys, we got to slow this down or else we're all screwed. And you never saw those heels up from the second and third and fourth place horses. Because once those jockeys start backing off the pace, that's when the leader can back off the pace. And and really, I, I mean, it was Ortiz on the six, and I, like, he got thrown under a bus by Spencer Thrift after the race. <laughs> him not being, him being so poorly placed, forced the hand of verifying and kept everyone else going. Uh, man, this was. It's fun. I, I am enjoying watching it back. It still hurts a little bit because I had, I even had two fills in Angel of Empire exact a box, and it was like if that's 
stupid eight horse doesn't get up there and, and run just an unbelievable race and, and a, a master ride from Javier Castellano. Uh, lots of ifs, ands, and buts, but uh, yeah. no doubt about it, Mage is the winner. Mage, I thought, uh, definitely, it's hard to say, like, to argue about the best horse or who was the best in this race, the best in that. I mean, we'll say that Mage was just ran, you know, unbelievably well. I thought two fills ran at a damn fine race to be there. That to have sat that close to the the early pace and then still be able to hold on. It kind of goes back to a big reason I loved him is he had the highest late speed figure for Brisnet in the entire uh, one of the highest uh, pace figures in the whole field uh, coming out of that Jeff Ruby stakes. But I thought, man, he can if he just keeps that up, he, you know he's going to be there late. Um, the other horses that were up there, the disarm had the, the single highest. He ends up getting fourth, and that, sorry, that ruined your superfecta. Um, and then Kingsbarn's was the second highest, but it's not Kingsbarn's fault that Jose just said, we're going to go like it's a six furlong sprint. I mean, yeah, this, look, two fills ran huge, absolutely huge. And I, the Disarm finally got a pace to run into and showed up when he did. I mean, so that that's the interesting part about Disarm to me here. I mean, I was going to use, and this sucks for me because I have the super, I have the super for $3 if Hit Show runs third here. So that was like that close to just being a crazy day. Um, but I got off disarm a little bit because of how poorly he ran last time out. And so, and that, that was the race that, that up in uh, Keeneland where I'm not using either verifying or tap trice and disarm, I thought could have been better and, and just wasn't. Um, and that was the race that got me off him. And that was, that was unfortunate because he, he ran very well here. He was able to close into the pace. I thought angel of empire actually ran very well. I thought he was like a really logical second or third place horse, but I thought he'd have a trouble, a tough time winning the race. Um, and two fills was great. Hit show was great. I mean, the, the, this, the top five all ran exceptionally well. Honestly, the top six did. I, I know there's a lot of hate around Dermis Otagata, who ends up running sixth in this race. He missed the break awfully and then ran very well afterward. If he had stayed in the U.S., I probably would have ended up betting this horse somewhere because of every horse that broke, if you watch the 17 here, he just takes a hard left turn once they break out of the gate and gives up mm -hmm. four lengths of the field and then has traffic trouble on the backside and then just isn't as fast as Mage down the lane. So Mage kind of crosses over him. But he he is right there. He is behind. That's war of will part. in 2019. That's war of will when he gets hit by maximum security. <laughs> I mean, he is behind the 16 horse. So it's interesting because we talked a little bit about him uh, before the race. He was he acted up during the week. And so we were kind of worried about that aspect of it. I still thought he was one of those horses you had to use because the unknown factor with Derma was there. And you kind of knew what the rest of this field was. Um, misses the break, but I thought still ran a really good race. So I, from my perspective, I thought Derma actually ran ran well after that break. The break is what really cost him. I mean, it's yeah. Let's. I'm thank you for bringing up Derma Sotagake because I was very much against him in this race, and one of the best efforts overall when you consider. I mean, Lemire's is about out of the saddle. Look at it. And now the horse is like sideways trying to go the other way. It was just. Poor Christophe Lemaire, just he, he finally thought he had a horse that could settle a little bit, and now he's stuck in behind all these horses and has to come from way off. And now it was, uh, you know, I didn't think he was a horse that was going to go to the front anyway because prior to the UAE Derby, he never was a front runner. He was a mid-pack horse, so that actually kind of helped set him up a little bit. Um, but a great effort from him, nonetheless. Uh, some of these other, <laughs> some of these other horses got they got no excuse, but a really, really uh, strong finish there from Dermis Sotagake. So. Um, we're not going to play the game of would Forte have won this race if he was in it? Not really sure. Uh, that's even It's not even really worth our time. It doesn't matter. 
What does matter, Mike, is he was, you know, they scratched him and, and they were talking, we'll go to the Preakness stakes as long as he's fine. He galloped 11 furlongs, a mile three-eighths at Churchill Downs earlier this morning. And, uh, you know, TDN quoted Todd Pletcher as saying he looked, looked very good, seemed happy, probably going to actually work him this Friday or Saturday. And no sign of the bruise that might have caused, you know, him to be scratched. And then Hissa comes around and Hissa goes, well, there's a 14-day rule that if you're scratched because of lameness or unsoundness, I should say soundness, you're on the vets list. And to get off the vets list, you got to wait 14 days, then work for a state, uh, a state-approved veterinarian and pass the blood test. I don't think the blood test will be the issue, but 14 days from Kentucky Derby is Preakness Stakes Day. I, did they just really screw up, they being Pletcher and Rapoli, by waiting until the Derby Day here? It feels like they're being... They waited until they wanted to know for sure the horse couldn't go, and now they're being penalized again. It just seems a little unfair. Uh, it does seem a little unfair. I mean, this is a case where I think the rule, uh, the letter of the law doesn't make a ton of sense um, because it's one of those situations where it was such a 50-50 thing on Derby Day whether or not he was going to scratch. You obviously heard Rapoli didn't want to scratch him. The state's vets are the ones who come in and, and say, hey, you're out. Uh it sucks that if he if he is able to but cannot run in the Preakness, it's really unfortunate that this this hissa rule is the reason why. Right now, we'll see if we get him back because uh, after that it's the Travers. They're not going to run him in the Belmont, especially with Tappet Trice, who we all know they're going to point toward the Belmont. We know that's that's Pletcher's Belmont horse, and so we'll see what what they decide to do. We'll see if there's any way that that they are able to race. I know the letter of the law says they can't, uh, but we'll we'll see what happens with with Forte. It would be unfortunate if we don't get to see Forte. Uh, in that race if he is healthy and ready to go because I would love to see Forte take on Mage again um, they're probably the two best horses in this class right now right like right now as of this day they are probably the two best three-year-olds that we have running and so it would be a bummer not to see them get a shot at each other and not to see Mage get a break and see what happens right so uh, we'll we'll see what happens come come the Preakness but it, it seems like we're not going to get him because of the rule versus his health yeah, we'll see that now. They um, the TDN did the in their story that the latest we have right now it says that they contacted, they reached out to the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission to try and get some sort of clarification on this, just to make sure that this is you know that they are understanding the rule correctly. So, I really by all means, I want to we wanted to see fourteen. I was trying to beat him in the Derby, so I definitely wanted wish he would go uh, to the was in the Derby, and you know you want to see the horse run in the Preakness. He absolutely deserves the chance to do it. Uh, yeah, Joey, Hiss is in charge. Uh, HISA, Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act. Uh, they're in charge of uh, most everything here. So that's why you can't um, bet Texas simulcast because they yep. did not agree, but other states did. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, poison cement thought they delayed implementation. Correct me, Roma. I think it was the medication specifics of Hissa were delayed because they're still there's still a lot of argument even among people who like Hissa saying if it's good or not. Yeah. You think so? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I don't look, this is this is a small step that needs to be a giant step and it, it's starting with like the, some of these rules are just crazy. Like it just this isn't this is common sense to me. If Forte's healthy, 14 days after he scratched, he should be able to run. Like this this bone bruises can be they can be a big issue, don't get me wrong. They can also be 24 yeah. hours. And so it's not like this is this is something where we're we're trying to rush a horse back that it was an awful injury and it makes no sense to run. No, this is this is a common thing that happens to horses. They get bone bruises. It's not something that's that is life threatening from a perspective. It's like, hey guys, if if the horse is galloping eleven furlongs two days after he scratched, it's clearly not a like 
wildly serious injury here. Let's let's be reasonable about this. But because you have these new rules, and, and then the question comes up, which gets after you: Why is the Preakness fourteen days after it? Why aren't we three weeks, and then we don't have to worry about this? You know, and like all that crap yeah. is going to come from this too. Yeah, that that sort of injury that was, or uh, sorry, that injury that rule is in place to protect the horses that are, you know, the five k claimers at Turf Paradise. It's to help those horses. It's something like this, you know, that you could hope that maybe the. We'll see. We'll see what goes on. The, the nice thing is, this wasn't Hissa, but at least Safi is still banned. So we've at least got that going for us. Um, it seems like, by all accounts, Mage is going to be on track for the Preakness Stakes. Uh, he is expected to hit the track and start uh, his first gallop or his first little jog around. He's still at Churchill Downs, uh, but t- uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, May 9th, he should be back on the track. So that's good. Uh, two fills. Uh, no immediate plans yet to go to the Preakness um, he is back home at Hawthorne Park with Larry Valley. They're going to wait on that one. So uh, two fills. Uh, if he if he's okay, and that, we'll just say this a blanket preface, if they're okay. If two fills is okay out of this race, do you think you would take him to the Preakness Stakes? Probably, because I don't think you're running two fills in the Belmont. So if you're going to run one of the two other jewels, I think the Preakness is the one you choose if you're a Valley. That's a good point. Uh, speed usually can often do very well at Pimlico uh, with the tighter turns that they have there. Um, the, ooh, breaking news. KC8767 thinks Mage will win the Derby. <laughs> you might have, win the, might have met the Preakness stakes on there. Uh, we had somebody, by the way, like uh, six hours after the race comment on a video saying, I think Mage wins the Derby. I was like, oh, that's there. Thanks, thanks for coming along. You're not getting any credit for calling that. Um, you know what? If you if two fills is if they want to do another triple crown race with two fills, you go to the Preakness. Part of me is worried that he because he was the only horse that was on that early pace that stayed up there at the end, that it might take a long time for him to recover from that. And maybe you just kind of wait for the Jim Dandy, the Haskell, the Preakness, or the Preakness, the Travers. You know, you aim for those bigger races with the summer. But we'll see with him. Um, it all just matters on how he does uh, coming out of that one. Well, I, I got to say, like. Mage, I am concerned about bouncing in the Preakness if he goes. It's one of those things. Where this is that was his fourth career race. He just went yep. a mile and a quarter. Did it in two oh one, and and like only was hit once with the whip. Uh, it was such a huge effort, like monstrous effort. Again, Castellano was chilly on him around the far turn. Watching the replay makes you realize how good Mage was on Saturday. He was chilly on him on the far turn. Hit him once down the stretch with the whip. I, I mean. He could be a very, very good horse. He, maybe we have a superstar on our hands. I don't want to go that far. I know there are people who are already going that far. Um, but you got to be at least a little concerned about a bounce on Mage, don't you, two weeks later? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, any horse, really, if it's not a Baffert horse, I'm worried about any horse coming out of the Derby a win and going straight to the Preakness. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, he is a – you've heard this a lot too. Mage is uh, a later – he was a late foal, I think, was he born in yeah. May? Um, so he's got, you know, he still is developing. He still is behind development-wise from a physical, just from a timing perspective. So um, I will trust that they will do what's best for the horse. Uh, the, the people who are involved, Ramiro Restrepo is a co-owner, Bloodstock agent. Um, you know, they were, he talked, to, there were a lot of interviews where they talked about making sure that they were kind of careful with him because he was a late foal. So uh, Angel of Empire third, uh, hit show fifth, verifying 16th, Jace's Road 17th. Not great for Brad Cox uh, when he thought that he would, you know, had a winner there. Angel of Empire gets third and hit show gets fifth. So you're cashing checks there. Um, it doesn't sound like any of them are going to the Preakness because... Perhaps the best, the best overall three-year-old in Brad Cox's barn is going to the Preakness, and that's first mission. So 
is it the correct decision for all of them to wait and find a different race? Angel of Empire, probably the Belmont. Yeah, I mean, like verifying, I don't think wants the Preakness distance. So we'll start there. So that one makes a ton of sense. Jace's Road, probably the same thing. I mean, Angel of Empire really was the only shorter price Brad Cox horse. That's the one you want if, if they went to the Preakness. Um, you're probably not going to get the same pace setup you got in the Derby in the Preakness. And you've got First Mission sitting there, who's the best of all of these horses, right? I mean, all of the Brad Cox horses, not all of the horses, but the best of all <laughs> the Brad Cox horses. And so I don't see why you bring any of these back after two weeks. The other thing you have to talk about, th about this is like, this was a long campaign for these horses to get in this race. It's not like they just, you know, flipped the switch and they ran once and then they ran in the Derby. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these horses have been running major preps, going big time distances, heading into it. It's the build up to this race and trainers are focused on this race. This was the goal for every horse in this race. This is the most keyed up. They want to running at 100 percent. It's hard to wheel back in two weeks and have close to that type of same effort. What's something that makes the Triple Crown so difficult is that it's so hard to wheel back so quickly. So if you don't have the incentive to which if you're not mage, there is no bought an incentive to wheel back. And you also know how good the Preakness field looks like it's going to be from a new shooter perspective. This isn't like where you've got one or two new shooters coming in. There are like seven or eight horses that we're planning on waiting at Pimlico for the winners of this race and anyone else who wants to come out of it. I would be disincentivized to go to the Preakness unless I was mage and maybe two fills. Cause again, I don't think two fills wants to run in the Belmont. So if you're not planning on running the Belmont, then maybe you're looking at the Preakness. But for me, there's just not a ton of reason to run someone like angel of empire back right away into the Preakness. It just, it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially as a grade one winner already. Uh, somebody, I, I was looking, where is the $3 pick three? Did you happen to see it? Remember what it paid? Uh, I don't, but it's on that sheet that you had. Yeah, I'm looking. It's, it said all I see is the constellation pick three, and it says it paid two eighty four. Somebody oh, it, uh, it asked actually that was its own. It was its own bet. I'll pull it up for you real quick. Okay, thanks. Uh, anyways, we'll move on. Um, I agree with all the points that you made about uh, the Cox horses there. Uh, Disarm gets up for fourth, and I thought it was a very impressive fourth for him. Uh, but remember, he did finish third in the Lexington just three weeks before the Kentucky Derby. No news right now as to where he will go, uh, one way or the other. I would actually, let me see here. Bah, 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 bah. It sounds like uh, there's he's possible for it. I would wait. And if you want to run Disarm in the Triple Crown again, wait for the Belmont. Otherwise, wait for the summer with Disarm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, it paid $15,000 for the $3 pick three. And that was General Jim into Web Slinger into Mage. Wow. Well, Webslinger was one that I don't know if any of us on the on the feed. I know Vinny had liked him, but a lot of us I don't think any of us used Webslinger there. So that was the big surprise there. General Jim was one uh, I know a lot of us liked. Um, yeah, disarm for the Belmont probably if they want to go Triple Crown. Otherwise, just wait for the summer uh, with that horse. Um, he does. We'll stay with the the same ownership and connections there. Uh, Winchell Thoroughbreds and Steve Asmussen also have Red Route One. He is going to probably go to the Preakness Stakes. He got. A, a fees paid berth in there by winning the bathhouse roast stakes at Oakland Park. So uh, they have that connection there. So for the Preakness, they kind of have that one covered. Um, I'm not sure either of us without seeing the, the pace scenario, unless you have a Kentucky Derby style pace in the Preakness. I don't know if Red Route One's much of a player in the Preakness, though. I mean, I, I don't think I can bet Red Route One to win the Preakness. He's an underneath candidate, right? Second or third type horse, but I don't think you put him on top. The ironic part, this was the race for him, right? This was the pace. He yeah. Needed. To be able to actually have a shot, it would have been interesting to see him in this race. I bet he hits the board if he was in this race, or at least makes that top five, I should say.
Ron was in the live chat, the like web slinger. That's right. Yeah, there are a couple. Of, I was sorry. I was when I said that, Ron. I didn't. Uh, sorry, I meant the people who were the talking heads blathering on for a while about it. That's what. That's what I meant about that. Um, in case I forget it, Joey brings up. Uh, doesn't Chad do well in Preakness after placing new shooters? Blazing Sevens skipped the Kentucky Derby for it. The difference between Blazing Sevens and then the horses it worked with with cloud computing early voting. I liked those horses, or you could point to reasons those horses could do well in the Preakness by skipping the Derby. I don't know if you can do that with Blazing Sevens, Mike. No, Blazing Sevens is a one-turn horse to me. I've been saying it since he won at seven furlongs on a pace collapse. Uh, just, I don't think he wants to get this type of distance. I just don't think he's good enough to be able to compete with these horses at these distances. So uh, if Blazing Sevens is there, I, I can almost guarantee, I, well, I can guarantee you I will not have him to win. I, can, I, can, I doubt I will have him anywhere in a Superfecta. Uh, we talked about the Japanese horses, or at least Derma Sodagake. Uh, he and Mandarin Hero, they are both headed back to Japan, and it's the Japan Derby on July 12th. And uh, I was only half kidding when I texted the group and said, we're going to do a preview for that. So uh, when it comes up closer to July 12th, we might end up having a preview, but they are done in, in America. Um, a disappointing result when, you, you know, they were both very heavily considered from different factions to be contenders for this race. Um are we starting to see a trend? You think the UAE Derby trend of them not doing well, even though the result wasn't the same? Are we going to break that? I know we think the Japanese are going to win this thing in the next decade. Uh, it depends. I mean, so those are two different questions to me. Because we saw we saw Mandarin Hero come here and run in the, the San Diego Derby. If I'm trying to win the, pre, the the Kentucky Derby with a Japanese horse, that's what I'm doing. I'm coming and running in preps here in the U.S. Because mm -hmm. that's how you get the horse used to this situation. Um, the UAE Derby thing, look, it's that racetrack just doesn't transition over here well. And so it's a different style. It's a one turn, not two turns. It's a, just a, a basically a pavement over there. So it's just super fast up front. So you're able to go gate to wire very easily. I don't think this was a talent problem with Derma Sotagate, though. I, I mm -hmm. think that there was a problem with the crowd. We saw that in training, like I mentioned, and, and he didn't break well at all. I thought he ran really well after the break, but the break pretty much ended his race. And so uh, to me, it's, if you want to win this race, you probably shouldn't be going to the UAE Derby. You should be running in the U.S. and trying to qualify through the prep races. And that means you have to plan this out a little bit more. you got to get them over here in January right run two or three races in the u.s get used to that u.s style the u.s speed get us used to the circuits get used to the two turns get used to all of these different things so that the horse has a better chance on the first saturday of may to be properly prepped for the actual race uh with tap it trice you were right was last on the line uh first time by uh i you know the, the pace collapsed on him so that probably did help him get up to seventh there uh what do you do with Tapit Trice? Do you aim for the Belmont and just train for that? You're pretty confident in that? I, like I said it like all week. I, I thought Tapit Trice would be last the first time under the wire. I think Tapit Trice is a wildly talented horse. This was just not the race for him. That was the biggest problem with Tapit Trice is that in an 18-horse field and four speed horses drew inside of him, he ends up in the rail draw, right? So he was essentially one of 15 horses or 13 horses on the outside. So like that was the problem for Tapit Trice. And then... When you go back and you watch Tapatrice and Mage's trips, they're not all that different, except Mage beat him to every hole. And so Tapatrice ends up have, getting beat, beat by Mage to the hole the first time under the wire, and that's why Tapatrice is last under the wire the first time. He gets beat to a hole by the, in the backstretch by Mage, and then he just kind of has to get into stride. When you look back at the bluegrass, which was the race where I know everyone who liked Tapatrice was pointing to, he got wide. He was able to get out in the open and just, just really extend his strides. The problem for him here was he was on the rail. 
And so you, you end up being last of 18 horses and you're on the rail and then you have to weave through horses versus being able to just go wide and keep going. And that's what Mage did. Mage weaved through a couple horses, but then got outside and was able to just never break stride. And that made a huge difference between where the two of them fa- finished. Uh, I would still say Tapatrice should probably be your favorite in the Travers. Like, I think by the end of the year, he could be a very, very good horse. I think he has a shot at winning the Breeders' Cup Classic based on what we've seen from the older horses as well. This was not the race for Tapatrice, though. Yeah, it, it definitely didn't. It didn't set up well for him, not just from a, a I, you know, the, the pace idea, but that that five pose. I think we reacted on the live show. We all just went, oh, that's not where you wanted that horse. You wanted him outside. Uh, definitely not buried in there with all that speed. Uh, Ray's Kane is a horse that, if you look at the running line, it kind of looks like he ran in place. He was ninth, ninth, eighth, eleventh, tenth, and eighth. I thought actually it wasn't a bad race from this horse. I thought it was a sneaky, not bad race for him for a horse that only had one prep win and it was at uh, one turn mile and didn't really do any running in the bluegrass. I don't know that you want to run him back in either of these prep races, but a, a better than I think it looks on the paper there effort from Race Kane. I think Race Kane and Rocky Cam both both ran better than I expected. Uh, they, it was good races. And this is funny. Like We can rip down and talk about every single horse in this field. I, I, t- I say this every year after the Derby you prepare for five months for a race that matters for two minutes. And after the Derby, there is so much shit that goes into this race, so much trip (laughs) trouble, so much that goes in from a a crowd perspective and everything. This is probably one of the worst data points from a horse racing perspective you'll have all year. Because there's never going to be 18 horses again. They're never all breaking out of that size gate. There's never going to be 150,000 people in front of these horses again. I mean, it's just such an odd data point. So it's it's hard to like go through this and take a ton out of it. There are certain horses I think definitely ran better than their finish. But... It's hard to say, okay, well, now I definitely love X horse coming out of this because it's just there. Are, every horse has a bad trip. Every like at some point you're going to get affected unless you're on the lead. But if you're on the lead, you went 22 and change, 45 and change. You're trying to go a mile and a quarter. You have no chance. So uh, to me, this is one of those where it's like this is the, the least relevant data point of the entire year, which is crazy because it's the most important race of the entire year. Uh, Rocky Cam, we talked about. I don't think we both agree. Uh, don't go to the Preakness. If you want to try the Belmont, maybe, but uh, it's not. I don't even have a great faith in him doing that. He's like a he's like a Matt Wynn type horse, right? Like you go when you win those like the Grade Three, and you go to West Virginia Derby, the Indiana Derby. Like that's where you send a horse like Rocky Cam. Get him out of this elite Grade One company. Um, not great for us from a fantasy perspective, but I think we're doing right by the horse. Uh, so by the way, many, I, I didn't how many know. Summer derbies, do you think get won by someone in this group? So you got like the Indiana Derby, you got the West Virginia Derby, you got the Pennsylvania Derby, right? How many of those type of races end up getting won by someone here? Oh, I think you almost all of them. The only way that doesn't happen, I think, is if Baffert uh, goes up there shooting. with a horse and gets one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first mission, obviously, Forte might, but Forte's not going to run in those races. He'll be in, in no. the bigger one when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, if first mission doesn't completely embarrass himself in the Preakness, he's not going to those lesser derbies right he's going to go for the big grade one haskell traverse races uh where is i just missed it rodney where's your comment by the way rodney again shout out to you rodney's been following us for a while and been a big player in the chat and had himself a hell of a betting weekend so uh congrats again to you rodney it's always good to see when our fans and our friends in the chat can do well uh asking about confidence game who ends up finishing 10th here uh you know it's it's keith Desormo. you know if the horse has got four legs that go forward he's sending the source to the preakness it sounds like he's going to do that uh, your thoughts on uh, Rodney wants to know your thoughts on Confidence Games trip because he was kind of right there and it, he faded, but the he got stuck behind the slow horses on the rail. I thought I, he right when he gets going, 
he has he's forced to stop because specifically of verifying. Verifying is backing up, and confidence game is directly behind him. And this is one of the problems with being on the rail in the derby. There's nowhere to go. Like, there's always mm-hmm. someone outside of you. And so like this will be a great version of it. Watch the two. And once the two starts backing up, and you're going to see it here in a second, the four is going to start rushing into it because the four sees the six moving. The seven starts to move. Two fills starts to move. So confidence game has to go. And confidence game starts to make this move right here. And unfortunately for the four, right about here is where the two stops. <laughs> Yep. And so you, you start to see the two back up, and then you don't have a two path to go to because the three's right there. And uh-huh. so you go, you're on the go, and then you're on the brakes. And, I and now you've got be- Hit Show coming outside of you. You've got Rocket Can outside of you. You've got pretty soon Angel, uh, Mage is going to be there. Yeah. And you see right there, he goes, once he gets to the two path, he keeps moving forward. But that, that window there where he couldn't accelerate, and by the time yeah. that he was, he was next to two fills. By the time they, that that the two horse he was around verifying, he was five lengths back at two fills. So that that stretch of that race definitely negatively impacted him. Um, do I think he was going to win the race? No. Would he have finished a little bit higher than he did? Probably. I mean, but you can see a lot of horses still getting around him here later in the lane. But that definitely affected his overall trip. Uh, I'm not sure he wants a mile and a quarter either, especially with those type of fractions that he was attending. So I, I think that probably would have been an issue for him. But I... I think that this was actually a pretty good race from confidence game all things said and done one thing to keep in mind uh when you're looking at the chart here if you see a horse like confidence game that was at one point was eight with a quarter of a mile to go um or with an eighth of a mile i should say uh they only get paid they being any horse that entered this race you only get paid for finishing in the top five you do not get paid a single penny uh, as the connections if your horse finishes sixth through whatever the hell. So a lot of these jockeys, I think you saw it there with uh, with Rocket Can, with Confidence Game, when they realized they weren't top five, when they weren't getting there, they wrap up those horses because they just know that, A, you're not getting up there in the money. It's not affecting the betting, but just don't beat the hell out of the horse if he's not going to get there. And Confidence Game, you nailed it. Horses are, unfortunately, they're not like cars. We just stomp on the gas and off they go and you hit the brake and stomp on the gas and they're perfectly fine. Like, it's like if you go out running for a while and you suddenly have to stop or, you know, slow down for a second, you know, you're, you're at an intersection, you got to pause for a little bit. So, uh, it's kind of like that. I didn't realize how long we've been talking. I got to keep going here. Sun Thunder uh, didn't do any running there. Any any interest in him moving forward for any of these uh, Triple Crown races? No, he should have run better considering the pace. He should have finished better than 11th considering how fast they were going up uh, going up front and the style that he wants to run. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to... Uh, McPeak thinks that they might go to the Belmont Stakes uh, with him next. Um, uh, Mandarin Hero we talked about. He will be facing off against... Uh, Derma Sotogaki in the Japan Derby on July 12th. Uh, Reincarnate. Boy, this is one that... Uh, not sure what we're going to see out of him next out. I, I expected a little bit better until I saw he was right there with Kings Barnes on that front end. Really shouldn't have happened. If he returns in the Triple Crown race, is he still with Yakteen or does he go back to Baffert? Uh, he goes back to Baffert and I'm fading him. You would fade... Okay, that's fine. Uh, would you send him to the Belmont, theoretically? Or the I mean, that would be the, if I was going to another Triple Crown race, I would not be in the Preakness. I would be running in the Belmont. And Baffert even said of this horse earlier this year, he can get a mile and a half. He can run all day, right? And, and you would assume it's going to be a slower pace. You assume that, that Reincarnate would be forwardly placed. You assume he'd be back under Baffert's care and back under his uh, wizardry, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Uh, so you would think that Reincarnate would, would at least... Uh, it would be a good version of Reincarnate, not the bad version of Reincarnate. How about that? 
Uh, practical move, we're not sure what will happen. He will stay with the Actine, but uh, reportedly he's recovering well from this fever that spiked and cost him a chance of running the Derby, though once you see how that pace played out, I don't think he's two fills. I don't think he's hanging on there after that early uh, early pace there, Mike. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I, I, the chat is kind of talking a little about Skinner right now. Mm -hmm. We talk, we jumped over Mandarin Hero. I After watching Mandarin Hero run this race, I think you are very lucky Practical Move scratched Magic. <laughs> I, I think so I think, too. I think Practical Move and Skinner are 100% fades in either of the other Triple Crown races if they show up in them. Uh, yeah, I, I'm lucky between how Skinner and, or it's not Skinner, between how uh, Mandarin Hero ran and then also that pace. Yeah, very lucky that, you know, the horse ended up picking ran third and not 18th. Um, next up here, we've, who we got left? King Russell, haven't heard yet from the mocap barn, but, uh, I would assume we're probably going to wait on him. Maybe the Belmont stakes for him. He was kind of a late runner for the Arkansas Derby. Aaron, do you have any, Aaron's in the background. Do you have any info on King Russell at all, one way or the other? We're going to go with no. We're going to go with no. I don't know if Aaron might be watching us with the mute, with the sound off. I'm not quite sure. Um, Skinner for the Belmont. See, here's the thing. Like, Sheriffs is extremely, extremely hesitant with his horses. And so to ship to the Derby is one thing. To ship for the Belmont, I, it feels like they're going to wait on this horse for the summer in California. I, he is so cautious with his horses. I hope he ships. Please ship him to Belmont. Yeah. Don't want anything to do with him in the Belmont if he runs there. Maybe, maybe he could hit the board again, but uh, maybe that's justice for, for kicking Victor Espinosa off at the last second as well. Uh, Cyclone Mischief, um, we thought, hey, the, the upgrade to Irad at the last second when uh, Forte got scratched, we thought that would be something that completely blew the break, and he was just never involved either. Cyclone Mischief is one, I think, if you take from the bottom half of this field, I think he's got a really good chance at one of those uh, midsummer derbies. It feels like Romans is going to go and, you know, win a, a lot of money with this horse and some, like, B-level uh, graded stakes. I mean, after 7th, so Tapatrice, so Grace came down, so 8th on, the best horse is reincarnated Cyclone Mischief, right? I'm sorry, Kings Barnes or Cyclone Mischief? Yeah. I think yeah. Cyclone Mischief is the best horse now. Kings Barnes probably has the best upside. I mean, that's that's so and he ran last year. So that's a horse where you give, I would at least bookmark it and say, hey, maybe I want Cyclone Mischief back because he was in a pretty tough Florida Derby where he was on the pace. And, and that race clearly is good, guys, because guess what? Fort Bragg <laughs> ran second. The winner came from it. And Forte would have been your favorite. And I think would have had a huge shot if he had to run. Uh, so let's let's say that that Florida Derby was pretty good. Cyclone Mischief ran well there. Um, so I, I would I would bookmark Cyclone Mischief. I probably want him back. And I, I think you're going to get a price because of the way this whole thing unfolded. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Preakness races, or Preakness races, the Preakness stakes uh, that'll be coming up. It'll be uh, the, a week from this coming Saturday, so really well, not much time to uh, move around. We'll be uh, already planning, already starting to work on that one, uh, although Jared needs to update this. Uh, 2023 Preakness stakes is coming to us. we got to get that on the board. Uh, but it sounds like, along with the horses that we talked about, uh, under consideration right now, according to the Maryland Jockey Club, and that this email came out uh, yesterday morning. Uh, we could see National Treasure go for Bob Baffert. I know it's been talked about Arabian Night. Possibly he could go back as well. He's the winner of the Southwest Stakes. Uh, that would be the more interesting one. If we see Arabian Night show up in the Preakness, things are going to get real interesting for Mage. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a fun Preakness. I, I, you're going to have a good mix of new shooters. You have three, four, five new horses coming in here who weren't in the Derby. I think you're going to probably end up having four or five horses coming in from the Preakness. Uh, so you're you're going to have, I'm hoping, a ten to twelve horse field here, which should make it awfully fun. I don't think a lot of people think Mage is a world beater, so I think 
that trainers and, and owners are going to be willing to take shots against him here and try and win the Preakness, which I think is a positive thing from a field size perspective. Uh, it's going to be a fun race. I mean, I, it's funny because like it, the, I picked Mage in the Derby right afterward. I got a bunch of different texts like, are you going to pick Mage in the Preakness? I'm not getting 15 <laughs> to 1 on Mage in the Preakness. So it, it's hard to make a pick now before knowing the post positions and knowing who's in there. But the, the value's probably gone on Mage. I think we can agree on that one, right, Magic? I mean, he's going to go off as your favorite, most likely. And if he's not your favorite, he's going to be very, very close to it in what seems like it's going to be a pretty difficult race. First mission uh, will contend for favoritism because not only that did he look great in the Lexington and has looked great his whole career, but the horses that he's beaten and faced earlier in his career have also done really well. A couple of them over uh, Derby weekend, in fact. So uh, his form continues to be flattered. Um, other horses here... Uh, Il Miracolo, who was sixth in the Kentucky Derby for, uh, oh goodness, oh goodness, Antonio Sano, simplifications trainer. Uh, he's aiming for the Preakness Stakes right now. Um, not a horse I'm going to consider, really, uh, at least as far as a win bet goes. Our boy Henry Q, winner of the Mind That Bird Derby that uh, we thought was going to win the Sunland Park Derby, and then just all sorts of bad things happen uh, for him to finish third there. Um, he's aiming for this. I, I knew that he, he's back with Doug O'Neill, and they've been training him very well at Santa Anita very quickly, so I was curious to see if he'd show up here or the Peter Pan, but uh, sounds like it might be the Preakness Stakes for him. Uh, and then Instant Coffee, a horse that looked great in the Lacombe Stakes, looked great in the Kentucky Jockey Club, and then was nowhere to be found uh, in his last start for Brad Cox. Uh, he might show up there as well. Um, Chase the what, Chaos. Can we, we can talk, we quickly to, talk about sure, Instant Coffee? If Instant Coffee shows up, that's a horse at a price I'm probably going to be interested in. Mm -hmm. I liked Instant Coffee before the whole Louisiana Derby happened. I talked about that horse quite a bit in the buildup. He was he beat two fills, like who ran really well here. Like, they, they, I, it's, I hope Instant Coffee goes because that's a price I, I would probably have involved in a lot of different places. I shouldn't bring this up because I haven't I haven't updated this yet today. The, the Preakness future wager ended. Um, I think Forte was the favorite, but I did see that uh, first mission from 15 to 1 open uh, ended at 7 to 1. And by the way, this was a bet that ended before the Kentucky Derby went off. So uh, you probably got really great odds on Mage there. If, you, if anybody played Mage in this race, I didn't see what he closed at, but you probably got something really great uh, on that horse. Um, Chase the Chaos could possibly go. He won the El Camino Real Derby Golden Gate Fields. He's being considered, but uh, the way he ran at Golden Gate, I don't think you want to take him anywhere outside of Golden Gate. So real quick, Meta Metaverse, we answered this one already. Uh, it looks like Red Route 1 is pointing toward the Preakness, but no confirmation yet. Um, Magic, real quick question for you. Let's play a little game. Oh, boy. Over under 11 and a half horses in the Preakness. And let's say oh. over under eleven and a half horses drawn for the Preakness, not actually break out of the gate, but drawn. I'm gonna for say the I'm gonna say over. Gonna I definitely over? think it's over. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think it's gonna be over too. I think this is gonna be a pretty good sized field when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. I th I think you see, especially with Forte scratching and assuming Forte comes back, um, the you, there isn't a there's no like world beater here there's no justify that a lot of people are gonna be scared of there's no i mean shit epicenter scared of, a bunch of people didn't show up against epicenter right that was only i think a seven or eight horse field um for that race so uh, there is a lot you saw from the betting of the derby i think that the how the fact that the longest odd was four horses five horses at 32 33 to one there's just not some horse that's really jumped out at us 
and and been this huge world beater. Now, Mage could go off and prove to be that world beater, but as we stand right now, I really don't think that that's, uh, that that's an issue there. Yeah, I mean, Baffert, you got to think, is going to have at least one, maybe two in there. Um, just look, looking through his... I mean, you could see Perform. That was the last one I was going to talk about. He won the Federico Tessio stakes at Laurel, and that was a, a winning year in for the Preakness. He's not Triple Crown nominated, so they would have to pay the $150,000 supplemental fee. Um, I've watched all of Perform's races his whole career. Uh, I don't think he should go. If he's not, I don't think it's worth the extra 150k to put him in there. If he was already triple crown nominated, sure. I don't, I don't think you want to put that horse into that race at all. But just my two cents on that. I'm going to be interested to see how the betting in the Preakness plays out as well. We talked a lot about the the rich strike effect. At what point do you think that wears off? Because at some point you're going to start getting these bomb prices again that are on the tote board, not necessarily winning, but on the tote board in these triple crown races. We didn't see it last year in the Preakness. We didn't see it in the Belmont. This year's Kentucky Derby was insane that the highest horse, price horse was 33 to 1. Do you think that continues in the Preakness here? Do you think we start seeing those 50 to 60 to 1 shots show up again? Oh, I think you definitely see some longer shots show up because A, you don't you have a bunch of horses that weren't good enough to be in the Kentucky Derby. Not just didn't get, you know, not I'm not counting first mission in that, but you I listed off. I mean, if Chase the Chaos or Perform go in there, they both should be 50 to 1 at least. Il Miracolo, I don't see why he well. He was behind Mage, so maybe that'll make him 40 to 1 instead of that. But uh, Henry Q, I mean, do you want to play him at anything less than 50 to 1? Like, no. Like, I think. And, and you also, right now, you had a horse take a big step forward in Mage. Going back to that point again, you had a horse that came up and really said, here I am. Whereas we had, a, you know, Forte, Tapatrice, Angel of Empire, all, you know, people couldn't even decide who was going to be favored for the Kentucky Derby. So um, maybe not 80 to 1. Unless we'll see. Chase the Chaos, if he goes there, he should be about a thousand to one. But other oh, I'm so mean to Chase the Chaos. Yeah, should be in the, the actual odds. A little difference. We'll just put it that way. Oh, uh, or play the Ed DeRosa fair odds game. You gonna do that? <laughs> uh, I did see some uh, some comments in here from people who were with us for the live chats uh, Friday, Saturday. If you were with us at any part, really want to say thank you again. Um, the channel is is absolutely exploding right now. Uh, so if you haven't yet subscribed to youtube.com slash racing news, though, if you're one of the 250 people watching us, you probably are subscribed, but if not, make sure you do. Uh, we'll have a lot more live stuff next week for like leading up for the Preakness. We'll cover the draw as well. We'll have daily shows covering Preakness stakes news. Um, so we'll be able to do that. Uh, how many shots did we end up doing? How many shots did we get paid to do on Saturday? Was it five? Uh, it was five, four or five. I think I did five because we got there was the one twenty five dollar tip and so I took that bullet for us. But yeah, yeah I I think uh, I did eight because I just kept doing them, especially after Mage one. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then that you went fun. and played the claw game. Yeah, then I went and played the claw game. It's funny how uh, I was surprised how many people positive react positively reacted to the claw game and all the claw stories I got. Um, I did not see what race Tabe is going to be in next. I honestly forgot that he was, I thought that they retired him for some reason in my head. I just, I didn't see. What are they going to do that for? Taba, where's he going? Somebody tell me. There's a 10 second delay on the YouTube chat. Somebody tell me real quick. Fabricator is free. Uh, anyways, while we wait for that answer again, I want to read it. Thank you to everybody for that. Um, you know, we, uh, we had a great time, even if all of our bets, uh, you know, some of us had better, some of us had better betting days than others did over the weekend, but it was still a lot of fun. It was great hanging out with everybody. Instead of being at the track, we were at the virtual track. So, uh, very thankful for that. 
Um, whereas Sam Barone, yeah, if you were one of the people with Commonwealth, you have a $50 share, you walk with 40K for Mage winning, uh, and you get Incredible. to say that you had that. So, yeah. um, ooh, all the Met Mile. There you go. Yeah, we had, a, we had a few of you people from Commonwealth in the chat and in the comment section. So really appreciate that. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back. I should actually programming note. Mike will be back Thursday. I'm going to be off Thursday. So we have uh, guest handicapper Nick Feldman coming back. He is one for one on the show. He was with me for, is it Tampa Bay Derby Day? I think it was Tampa Derby Day. Uh, he was with me. We both gave out the winning ticket there. So tune in on Thursday. Mike and Nick Feldman will be doing what sequence, Mike? Do you know yet? No. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, they'll be at Oakland. Oakland, uh, no, yep. Oakland just ended. So I would assume go to it will be Belmont, but I, I will see what the once I actually look at the cards. Actually, let's take a look right now while we got this on here. We'll figure out Belmont. Uh, it's Peter Pan Stakes, Man of War Stakes, and they have another uh, the Run Happy Stakes presented by Run Happy. So yeah, there you go. You got the you got a Grade One. You've got the Peter Pan, which is the uh, unofficial prep for the. Um, uh, Belmont stakes, so you'll see what horses, you know, Arctic arrogance. Maybe he goes into that. Yeah, I don't know why he would do that. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Maybe I would Henry do, Q goes there. I don't know. Yeah, we'll be we'll be doing Belmont. When you look down the Saturday schedule, it's going to be Belmont. Uh, also, we'll at the racingnews.com and youtube.com slash racingnews. We'll have previews this week for the Man of War, for the Peter Pan, and then also Gulfstream Park has a pair of five furlong turf sprints for two year olds. One for that's open company, one that's restricted to fillies. Whoever wins each of those gets a uh, stipend and a free entry into one of six Royal Ascot races, which is really exciting. So we have winning your in Royal Ascot races happening at Gulfstream Park. So we'll have previews for that as well. If you couldn't guess, Wesley Ward's pretty loaded for those races. But maybe there's some money to be made because uh, I think almost every horse that he and Mark Cassie are entering in those races, this will be their first career start. So maybe you can find an edge with that one. But Make sure if you haven't yet subscribed to youtube.com slash racing news. And of course, visit racingnews.com for free picks for every race, every track across the country. And you can also get yourself some of them Samo bombs. See what uh, 15 to 1 shot's going to win the Kentucky Derby or another race next time. Until Thursday, when he's here with Nick Feldman, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike, and I'm excited for this Met Mile field because that's phenomenal. Whoa. We'll read it off real quick for the uh, audio listeners. Smile happy, repo rocks, Jesus. Cody's wish, Taba, Elite Power, Doppelganger. All we're missing is a Safi Joseph horse, and it'll be a hell of a party there. Uh, good luck to everybody who's playing this week. We'll be back later this uh, later on. Thanks again for watching. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.